Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side, while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. The text that we read in Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 to 33, is a part of, a, of an overall story that uh, Jesus has in, encouraged, or that we have written by the apostles. Uh, Matthew has written the account for us that tells us something about the life of Jesus. And, and the reason I mention it in this context is that uh, the, the teaching of Jesus in the Gospels is an amazing, it is an amazing journey for us. The, the first thing that we notice is, and it's, it's so different from anything else that we've ever experienced or, or ever could experience, that is that Jesus has lessons that he teaches. And God, is, of course, it's inspired, it's inspired by the Word of God, but as, as he's teaching these lessons, he also gives us practical applications. So we have in this context a situation where Jesus has just finished feeding 5,000 men along with women and children with five loaves and two fishes. And then as the evening falls, uh, they're on the border or the shores of the Sea of Galilee. And as the evening falls, he, he takes the disciples down to the ship. And he puts them on a ship to cross to the other shore. He himself then goes up into a mountain and prays. And the text tells us that there was a storm at sea. Now the Sea of Galilee was apparently prone to such storms. But during the night, during the storm, Jesus approaches the ship where the disciples are. And I, I assume and I think we rightly do that it's the 12 apostles that are there. And as he approaches, it frightens them. It frightens the disciples. They see him and they think it's a spirit. And he, 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 uh, he calms them down and he, he, actually, he, he actually tells them to, to, uh, to be quiet, that, that it, it's him. And then while he's approaching them, Peter decides that he's going to join Jesus. Now, it's, if, if we put ourselves back in that situation, here's what we do. We think, Jesus is actually walking on water like it's solid ground. 
Peter sees him, the apostles see him, and they think it's a spirit. It's an apparition. And Jesus assures them that it's not. And he, he tells them to, to calm down, to be quiet. And then Peter says, I'll, I'll join you. Now, I can imagine Peter crawling over the side of the boat, letting himself down easily until his feet touch the water, and then feeling the water solid. It's not frozen. It's water. And he steps on the water, and it supports him. He turns and starts toward Jesus. And then the storm kicks up a little more. And apparently, maybe, as Peter's taking a step, one foot sinks. Help, Lord. <laughs> Save me, Lord. Jesus reaches over and gets his hand and gets him back on top of the water. They get back in the ship. And Jesus said, O ye of little faith. He reprimands him because his faith failed him. Peter's faith failed him. I've heard a lot of sermons about this particular event, and you probably have too. Some say, well, the reason Peter sank was he took his eyes off Jesus. This text doesn't say that he took his eyes off Jesus. Some say, well, it's because of the storm. The storm was howling and it frightened him. This text doesn't say that. It says the storm kicked up, of course. What Jesus said was, you lost your faith. Your faith failed you. You're sinking because of your faith. You're doubting your faith in me. That's what happened. Lord, save me. I'm sinking. He didn't say I'm sinking, but I, I knew that's what he's thinking, don't you? That's what I'd be saying. I'm going down, Lord, grab me. Don't let me go. What was, what was happening? Peter's faith was failing him. It was quitting him. We know that our life with God is completely dependent upon our faith in Him. Completely. We cannot walk with God without faith. To think that we can get through this life and end up on the other side of life in good shape without faith is fanciful thinking. We can't do it. We have to have faith in God. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 6 says, Without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Which actually means that unless you believe in God, you're not going to end up in heaven as a surprise. You're not going to come to the end of your life and say, Oh, God's going to take care of me even though I didn't have any confidence in Him all my life. He's going to take care of me. No, it says without faith it's impossible to please God. Now faith defined is in Hebrews chapter 11 verse 1 tells us, and this is how we all get our faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. The word substance means the underpinning. So, your life with faith in God means that you have faith that supports your weight. Like Peter. Peter was on the water. And when Peter's faith failed, 
He sank. He started to sink. He's, he's failing. So faith holds us up. And that was the very, fir- very purpose for Jesus coming to this earth was to in, in, inspire faith in God and faith in Himself and to give us the reason and the, the ability to have a relationship with God and to live with Him. In John chapter 1 at verse 6 and 7, God had sent a man called John the Baptist as a forerunner to, break, to get the people ready for the coming of Jesus. And this text says there was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. Now he's talking not about John believing through John, but he's talking about the light that he's sending, which is Jesus Christ. And he, it, this text actually says it. He was not the light, but was sent to bear witness of the light. So John came to say, there's someone coming, he's called the light, and you have to believe in him. You have to depend upon him. You have to have some conviction about him. In John chapter 12, verse 44, and here again we want to make sure that we understand that when Jesus is talking about faith and the underpinning of our life, He's talking about faith in Him and in God, His Father. Jesus came in order for us to have faith in God through Him. So when we have faith in Jesus, that means that we have faith in God, the Father. You cannot have faith in God without having faith in Jesus. Now that supports us. That, that, that carries our weight. And in verse 44 in John chapter 12, Jesus cried and said, He that believes on me believes not on me, but on him that sent me. I am come a light into the world, that whosoever believeth in him, on me, should not abide in darkness. So Jesus came as the light. He was shining the light on his Father. And the gospel shines the light on Jesus. So as we read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're reading about Jesus, and Jesus is putting the spotlight on His Father. He's saying, believe in Me. If you believe in Me, you will believe in My Father. That's why He came. That, that was His purpose. John 14 at verse 1 says, Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in Me. So faith in God through Jesus Christ became the substructure, the underpinning, the undergirding of our faith in God. And our faith in God means our life with God. Paul said it this way. He said in Second Timothy 1 at verse 12, he says, For the which cause I suffer these things, nevertheless I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Now when Paul said I'm not ashamed, he didn't mean I'm not embarrassed. The word ashamed means confused. He said, I'm not confused. I know who I have believed. And because he knew who he had believed, then he had some substance to his life. Now, he calls it substance in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, but it's also called a foundation. In 1, Timothy, or 1 Corinthians chapter 3, at verse 11, Paul said, Other foundation can no man lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. So we settle the full weight of our being on the foundation that is Jesus Christ. If I completely believe in Jesus Christ, if I have complete confidence in Him, if I have faith in Him, 
then my whole weight is placed upon that foundation, and that's the weight of my life. And that, of course, is found very easily. You can find your faith. You can find faith if you haven't found it yet. You can find faith in only one place. That's in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God unto salvation unto everyone that believes. To the Jew first and also the Greek. But he also said in Romans chapter 10 and verse 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Now, what I want to talk to you about, and I'm not just talking to you. I'm talking to myself as well. So when I, when I use the term you, please understand that I'm talking about Bill as well as you. And, and what I'm saying is that I need my faith. I need it. I need it for a number of reasons. And I need to keep it intact and I need to keep it firm and I need to keep it present with me and I need to keep it where I'm on top of it so that I can stay on top of my own difficulties in life. I need my faith in Jesus Christ because it gives my life intrinsic value. Faith gives me value. The benefits of faith are far-reaching and timeless. Faith imbues my life and it imbues your life with precious benefits that nothing else in this world can provide. Faith in Jesus gives you direction in your life. That direction is upward, always. Faith tells you to look up. Faith does not tell you to look down. Faith does not tell you to look sideways. Faith does not tell you to look back at your past. Faith tells you to look up. Because faith in Jesus Christ, and of course faith will, will encourage you to make the, do the right thing in your life, make sure that your life is in order, but faith will improve your station in life. Faith will never diminish you as an individual. Faith has, will uh, improve you. Faith will increase your value to others and to yourself. Faith will purify you and make you clean instead of soiling your reputation and your character. The Bible talks about baptism as being a washing of water. Our bodies wash with pure water and our hearts sprinkle from an evil conscience. The Bible talks about those who believe in Jesus Christ who are baptized into Jesus Christ and come up out of the waters of baptism a new creature. That, that's what faith does. Faith washes me. I'm a dirty, soiled individual. I, I need to be clean. I need to be washed. I need a bath. And my clothes are filthy. I need a change of garments. And Faith tells me that God will wash me in the blood of His Son. He will purify me. He will change my clothes. And I will be clean. Now faith will elevate me then in that sense. Faith will purify me. It will give me my proper direction. It will keep me looking up. Faith will also give me meaning in my life. It will give me meaning. Jesus stands you up and tells you, if you believe in Him, He will stand you up and tell, tell you that you are worth more to Him than all the riches in this world. That gives you meaning. 
It will help you. He takes the lowest of all the inhabitants of the earth, the lowest, the lowliest, and he says, you're the greatest. He gives you, he gives you meaning. He sets you on a high place with himself. He, steeps, he, he stoops low and reaches down to the lowest of the poor and the outcast and invites them to share his glory. If you found yourself there, that's what he'd done with you. He consoles your failures in life with the knowledge that when you stumble and fumble through life and accomplish nothing of real value, that you're still precious to Him. You mean everything to Him. He puts you on a pedestal and He says, You're mine and I love you. He exalts you. You probably haven't done anything worth anything in your life. I know I haven't. I haven't excelled in anything. I'm just myself. And I'll probably end up that way and nobody's going to erect a memorial to me. Nobody's going to build a, build a monument because I haven't done anything. I'm, I haven't been a president. You haven't either. We haven't been princes. We're not, uh, you're not a magistrate. You're not a judge. You're not an intellectual. You're not an intellectual giant maybe. Maybe you're very smart. Not an accomplished artist. I can't even draw a stick figure. As far as being a musician is concerned, Jesus said, Bill, if I gave you a great big bucket, you still couldn't carry a tune. So I'm not an accomplished musician. I'm not noble. I don't have any nobility in my background. I'm not a celebrity. I'm not an accomplished athlete. I'm not fabulously rich. And I'm not famous and people don't flock around me like an adoring multitude. Nothing like that. But you know what? Jesus said, you're great, Bill. Now, I don't know why. If you ask me, and you say, well, why does he look at you like that? I don't know. But I do know that that's what he said. And he said, he that is least in the kingdom, when he was talking about John the Baptist, he said, John the Baptist is the greatest among men. He said, but he that is least in the kingdom is greater than he. Okay. Faith gives your life meaning. You are important because of your faith in God. Now, if you lose that faith, you lose your concept of being important to God. You see why you need to keep your faith? You'll feel yourself sinking like Peter. If you say, well, God doesn't really care about me. He doesn't care what I do. He does. Faith in Jesus gives you strength to endure the most severe, horrendous experiences that can befall you. When you find yourself in a natural disaster, that disaster is powerless against your faith. You know that with Jesus, you will be able to endure. You can get through it. You know that with Jesus, you can endure physical calamities that beset you. Jesus assures you, however, regardless of how extreme that physical calamity is, he tells you that you cannot be destroyed. Your life may be gone, but you'll still be there. You can't be destroyed. He said, I'm the resurrection of the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. He that lives and believes in me, lives and believes in me, shall never die. So regardless of what happens in your 
history. You will endure. You will persevere through the worst turmoil. Tribulations will pass through your life. But with Jesus, you can get the other side intact. You can get the other side. Now, I I think in terms like this, that faith is necessary when we are enduring difficulties. It is necessary. It's necessary to us for us to get through. Even if we lose our lives, faith is necessary to get us from this side to the next. And I think about the martyrs, the early martyrs of Christianity, that the Romans came to them because of the, the instigation of the Jews who were very jealous of the Christians. And they came to them and they, they were accused of being idolaters and being those who were un, unfaithful to the emperor. And so they were cast into prison and they, then they were taken into the Colosseum and the lions were turned loose on them. And they were, they were mauled and eaten by the lions. These people, because they refused to leave their faith in Jesus Christ, gave their lives. But they endured. They got through it. You say, well, you mean they survived physically? No. Maybe a tongue or a toenail. But basically, they were destroyed. But they got through it. Their faith brought them through to the other side. They got to where they were going because their eyes were up, not down. They got to the other side. I think of the POWs that were taken prisoner by the uh, Axis forces in World War II and how that their faith sustained them during the most horrible tortures that could be visited upon them and in Vietnam and other areas where the POWs were so badly mistreated. Their faith compelled them to share what they knew about Jesus with their fellow prisoners and many of them have set forth the fact that it was only because of their faith in Jesus that they were actually able to endure the punishments. And the, the greatest, I think, the, the greatest example we have, a modern example of faith, came with, with the uh, Africans that were brought to this country as slaves. They were brought to the West Indies and they were brought to this country and they, they adopted the faith that they read in the New Testament. They heard about Jesus. And when they adopted that faith, when they realized that, they, that Jesus loved them and cared for them, then it didn't make any difference how many chains that were wrapped around them. It didn't make any difference how many lashes of the whip that fell across their back. They believed in Jesus. And I know that. I know that, not only from the stories, but I know that from the songs that they sang. The greatest spiritual songs that we have today came from those times when those slaves, after a hard day's work, a grueling day's work under the torturous sun, and after that day was gone, and in spite of their master's threat of punishment, they would sneak off into the woods or in places where they could be to themselves and sing about Jesus. The, the song, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot, came from this group of people. I, I can hardly say that, word, say that song title without wanting to sing it. Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. 
The word, the, the song, Precious Jesus, Take My Hand, came from this group of people. Their faith in Jesus gave them strength to endure and overcome their oppressors and their inhumane treatment of the songs that they have. There was one in particular that I thought, and I don't know the melody to it, but I just know the words to it. And I know the refrain because it reminds me of the text that we started out with. That, that particular song that they sang went something like this. I can't sing it. I don't know the melody. I don't know the tune. But I do know the words. And it went like this. They sang, Oh my Lord, my good Lord, keep me from sinking down. I tell you what I mean to do, keep me from sinking down. I mean to go to heaven too. Keep me from sinking down. I love. I look up yonder, and what do I see? Keep me from sinking down. I see the angels beckoning me. Keep me from sinking down. The words of faith. They didn't lose their faith in Jesus. And they said, keep me from sinking down. Just like Peter, keep me from sinking down. Their faith sustained them. They stood firm upon their faith in Jesus Christ. And we need that faith. We need the same kind of faith that says, Lord, keep me from sinking down. I don't want to lose my faith. I want to keep the ground solid under my feet. Our faith in Jesus gives us assurance that we're making the right choices in life in the midst of moral chaos. You need your faith because... Faith in Jesus removes the uncertainty of the selections in life that you make between right and wrong. He's left His precious instructions and practical applications as signposts along the way. We, our faith, we need our faith to make sure we can find those signposts and that we can follow them. Jesus tells us to ignore the popular way, which He calls the broad way, and to follow Him. He directs the message to your heart, the center of man's being. He doesn't tell you about rituals and rules and rites. He tells you what's in your heart. And you need your faith. You need your faith to understand that and to hold on to that. He calls upon you to obey the highest demands of life. And that demand is love your Father. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And to love your neighbor as yourself. There is no higher demand than that, and you know what? In order for you to obey that voice, you need faith. You need to keep your faith. Don't doubt your faith. Hold on to your faith. But that will help you, and that will make you reach up and, and uh, comply with what Jesus said. What could be more appealing and alluring than that? Your faith will compel you to bend your will to His and to try to do your best to accomplish what He has asked of you, even the impossible. You know, Jesus said one time, He said, if you had the faith of a grain of mustard seed, you could save this mountain, remove, and it would be removed. What do you think He's talking about? Jesus was not a, a uh, road builder, and he was, not, he was not in the business of excavating earth. He was in the business of your life. Getting across the obstacles that you have in your life. He says, do the impossible, Bill. And I say, if I have faith, you know what? I'm going to try. I'm going to try to do the impossible. 
That's what he's asking. He says, disdain your personal satisfactions and give me your time and your abilities to help others and I'll do it. Why? Because of my faith in Him. And you will too. He says, ignore the siren call of sin and instead listen to the small, still voice of sacrifice because you know it is the voice of your shepherd. How do you know that? Because of your faith. Your faith. My brother and sister in Christ, hold on to your faith. Hold on tenaciously in the bad weather, in the storm. Don't turn loose of your faith. Don't sink into the sea of doubt and despair. Don't give up the most precious gift that God has given to mankind, Jesus Christ, and faith in Him. Believe in Me, Jesus said. You need your faith. You need your faith because the loss of your faith in God and Jesus Christ is the most devastating disaster that could ever visit itself upon you. If you lose your faith, you lose the most precious thing you've ever possessed. You really do. The loss of faith is a loss of confidence. How do you feel when you lose confidence in someone? Lost. You're devastated. You're devastated. It's a loss of trust. It's a falling away. The very ground of your feet under your feet seems to crumble. The delicate membrane of your heart is destroyed when trust is surrendered to skepticism and doubt. Don't lose your faith. Hang on to it. The loss of your faith is a loss of direction. Not just losing the landmarks, but covering the landmarks. Obscuring the landmarks. You know, sometimes people can misdirect other people by just turning the signpost around. When you lose your faith, you lose not only the signpost, you lose the direction the, the signposts are, are pointing you in. Which way is wrong? Which way is right? The lights go out. When we lose our faith, the lights go out. We don't know where we are. We, we fumble and stumble through the dark. Without faith, we don't know where we're going. If the blind lead the blind, Jesus said, they shall both fall into the ditch. The loss of our faith removes the barriers that protects our hearts from damage. You know, your heart can be hurt by shallow and unkind people very easily. Evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, Paul said, told Timothy. Doubt allows the vandals entrance through the broken gates of your heart because you doubt and they allow access into your heart and confusion reigns. Chaos is king. The harmony of your life disappears. The cacophony of sin and error flood into the vacancy in your heart. When faith is gone, your protection is gone. Abandoning Jesus puts us in the wrong camp where the devils light the campfire. Paul said he was not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why? Because it raises the ramparts against the vandals. It keeps the vandals out. The loss of faith will, will drain your life of meaning. Actually, drain it of meaning. It will open an empty space in your heart. When you lose your faith, an empty space fills that void. Nothing's there. You know, they say that, that, uh, that uh, life hates a vacuum. Something is going to fill that vacuum. We don't want a vacuum. Sometimes even when we're, when we're visiting with people, 
and there's a white space, no, nobody's saying anything, somebody feels like they've got to fill it. You've got to fill that space. Because life hates a vacuum. So when we vacate our faith, we, we, we create a vacuum. And that vacuum will cause us to seek out, because it hurts, by the way, a vacuum in your heart hurts. When there's nothing there, then it's, it's painful. It's emotionally painful. It will, re, it will weaken your resistance to temptations. And you'll try to fill that vacuum. You'll want to fill it. You'll fill it with distractions. Your loneliness needs to be eased. Your sense of abandonment needs to be taken care of, be cured. It may cause you to seek fulfillment in the euphoria of alcohol. That's why people drink to a great extent, to fill that vacuum. I don't have any, there's nothing there. I'm, there's nothing for me. And I hurt, I'm hurting. And I have to numb the pain. And the same thing is true with drugs. The loss of your faith can drive you to seek the company of those who deny the very existence of God and the goodness of Jesus. It will destroy the good life you've built with God and it will wreck your hopes of having this life with the prospect of a better place. When you lose your faith, you spin out of control. Now Peter started to sink. That's a good illustration. That's the one Jesus used. And that's the approved illustration. He lost his faith. He started to sink. When we lose our faith, a lot of things happen to us. We start to sink. When we begin to doubt, we start to sink. In addition to that, we lose our balance. We, when we lose our faith, it gives us a sense of slipping down a slippery slope. And we're flailing our arms trying to stay upright, losing our balance, and we can't stay upright. It will make us, like Peter said, it will sink. Hold on to your faith in Jesus. Don't let it, don't let it go. Don't let it go. He will give you meaning in your life by your faith. He will protect you from evil. He'll keep you looking up and not backwards. He won't keep you confused. He'll get you straight. Now you can keep your faith, but you have to hold on to it with both hands. Don't let it slip through your fingers. Be aware of where your faith is at all times. Don't lose track of it. Like a dusty old Bible, don't forget where you put it. You know where your faith is. It's in Jesus Christ. Don't leave it lying around. Keep it handy. Polish it. Exercise it. Use it. Share it with others. Confess it. And Peter said, grow in faith in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Now the way that's done is very simple. You stay out of the company of people who attack your faith. Don't let people bite and nibble and chew away at your faith until you finally are doubting yourself. Now, the faith of Jesus Christ is the truth. I am the way, the truth, and the life, Jesus, Jesus said. Faith is the truth. You don't have to fear of anyone coming along and disproving what this book says. It can't be done. It's never been done. It won't be done. There, there are skeptics who believe they can do it, but it's, it's not possible. There's too much evidence on the basis of 
physical, archaeological, historical evidence, and spiritual evidence that this, this book is right. Jesus is true, and the truth is here. The truth, you should know the truth. The truth, you make you free. So don't lose your faith. Don't let somebody nibble away at your faith and not come back and say, wait a minute, let's see what the truth is. The truth has nothing to fear. Study the Word. Open the Word. Let the Word flood into your soul. Believe it. Accept it. Be with those who believe the same thing about the Scriptures, not just anything. Paul said he was amazed that some people had departed from the faith. They were, they were teaching some other doctrine than that which is not in the Gospel of Christ. He said, but though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other doctrine than that which we are preaching unto you, let him be accursed. That's Galatians 1, 8 and 9. So, it's possible that people can lead you astray. We're not talking about just having faith, blind belief. We're talking about putting your faith in Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And the only place you know anything about Him is through this Word, through the Gospel of Jesus Christ, through the Bible. So this book will define Him and teach Him. When someone says you, you, you need to put some faith in this fellow, you need to put some faith in that fellow, you need to put some faith over here, put your faith in Jesus. And get a book, chapter, and verse for what you believe. Look in the Bible. Make sure that you have it in context and read it. And let it fill your soul. Let it strengthen you and put some solid ground under your feet. Keep your faith. Don't turn loose. If you feel like you're slipping a little, like Peter did, reach out and grab the hand of Jesus. And He'll keep you from sinking.